Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shenanacast. I'm your host, John, also known as Nsaku. I don't know how we do this anymore. I've forgotten. We normally <laughs> use our screen names, then announce our real names. Or uh, the other way around. Pick, pick one. All right. I am or since... we do whatever we feel like and wing it. I am Sinstaku, also known as John. Ah, there. And what, joining me today are... I am Shadow Chorus, also known as William. Who was not introduced last. Ha-ha! <laughs> Finally. And, and I am Units, also known as that guy who doesn't show up to things all the time because he's really busy and probably should do more things on the internet. Yeah, come on, Units. Get the, get the program. Sorry. Uh, and today we are going to be uh, talking about our favorite gaming experiences today we actually have a topic that we didn't think of five minutes before the podcast uh-huh. <laughs> we actually had some time watch okay. us deviate just as much as usual because this this is our oh, favorite this is our favorite gaming i would also like to explain that we have made solemn pledges i will not bring up sierra adventure yes, we, games we have, we have, i will not bring up final fantasy and i will not bring up blizzard we have made we, this is this is our favorite gaming experiences not from our number one fields yes so our fa- because you've heard plenty our, about the our our favorite not favorite experiences, <laughs> which is easy for me. Like mine. So just why don't you take us? Off the top you, of my head. Since, since I always start these things, why don't you take us off? Like anyone who knows me and knows the games that I play knows that behind Blizzard, one of my favorite gaming companies is From Software, because Dark Souls, Dark Souls Two, and Bloodborne are some of my favorite games of all time. All right. Well, tell us why they're tell, tell us what. Amongst that, your favorite gaming experience. So one experience, not... What experience made from... The, that. That. So I, when I started playing Dark Souls, which was my first From Software game, I didn't start with Demon mm-hmm. Souls because I didn't have a PS3. Because he's a scrub. I didn't have a PS3. <laughs> um, when I started playing Dark Souls, I had heard all of this hype about it and about people who were really enjoying it and never really got much explanation about it. And I started playing it and I was like, why the hell am I playing this game? It is unforgivably difficult. Like, I cannot progress forward, and I'm getting incredibly aggravated. Excellent. <laughs> and as I got going, it kept... I, I kept playing it out of spite for a while. Just, just like... Just, like this, this reminds me of Ultimate Games. Like this, <laughs> no, I need to tell you what game that reminds me of. Uh, like, this, this, this game w- will not beat me. I will beat this game. Was, I kept going out of spite for a while. <laughs> spite um, the great motivator <laughs> you know um and as i kept going this like sadomasochistic side of me started clicking on and i was like this is this is actual challenge it, it's punishing but i'm really enjoying it because it is forcing me to place value in my life in my experience in what i'm doing with this game he didn't grow up on the nickel and dime you arcade I, games. I, I would like to clarify that one of my big experiences as a child was playing Qbert. <laughs> Anyone who has played Qbert knows no. that that game is out to make you hate no. playing. What was the name of the? It was like time Sp- time cop. It was some some time patrol. Ta- no, it wasn't even time patrol. It was it was an arcade shooter with the plastic guns. Yeah, what was it? Do you remember what those I didn't were? Those that things. Much. Time Split. I, no, it wasn't Time Splitters. Time Splitters, no, 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 Time Splitters PS. is a console game, but it was a, it was a, I can't remember the I've name seen of it. it. But remember. it was it was an on-rail shooter where you had plastic pistols, and that was it. That was that was what made that game money. Was this game will not beat me? Quarter, 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 quarter. Bam, 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 bam. No. <laughs> but uh, no, it's like as as I as I kept playing Dark Souls, this like like this, this almost masochistic um, feeling of like I died. But that means that I messed up, and if I don't die, that means I'm doing good. Um, <laughs> the, the, I think the, the key distinction be, there being, 
you, when you die, you feel like it's your fault, not the game's fault. Yes. Sometimes when you die, it's like, game, why would you do that to me? But every, like everything in Dark Souls, it like I can I can almost always sum up to, it's because I fucked up. It's because I messed up that I died. It, it's because I made a mistake, and so it kept pushing me forward to keep playing it and that experience is something that I have n- that I never get out of other games. Like arcade games are designed to cheat you out of your money. Yeah. They're not designed to challenge you to the level that Dark Souls does. If you lose in Dark Souls it's your fault. It's not the game trying to cheat you out of money because it's a console game. You've already paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> and you keep well, I don't know. It depends on what you mean by paid for it. Some <laughs> console games you keep paying for as you play them. <laughs> We're not talking about monetary costs. Um, but, um, Dark, Dark we Souls... don't need to go into my streaming history. <laughs> like, like Dark Souls keeps pushing you. It's like, you can win. You can do better. You, you can successfully navigate. Um, I have issued you a personal challenge. Can you succeed? Occupus Trip does that, too. <laughs> Not the same way, I can guarantee you. I mean, you're stripping vampires, but, you know. Um, beg pardon? It's the, it, the Occupus Trip is the idea that to beat tell a vampire, you, you strip it to sunlight. Tell you about it later. It's weird. Continue. And so Dark, Dark Souls, like, Dark Souls is one of, my, one of my favorite experiences because it was something that I had, I had stopped experiencing in video games for a while. I stopped getting a real challenge. It was just, okay, go forward do the thing it tells me to do, experience the story, you know, play the game. The gameplay, sure, it's fun, but I'm not getting a challenge out of it. And then Dark Souls was like, now this is where I go for a challenge. <clears throat> like, this is where I go if I want to suffer for a while. Suffer, suffer, suffer in silence. Oh, it's not in silence, I can tell you that much. <laughs> oh, I yell and scream with that game at times. I have to say, that's one of my big motivators for playing mostly the old school games is because when I play games, I have to play them on the hardest difficulty. Play Dark Souls. There there is no easy setting in my mind. Like, I've had you play Bloodborne. It's a bit fast-paced for you. Play Dark Souls. It's really methodical and defensive. Um, I, I really should. I keep hearing about it. And I'm just... So used to modern games being... You have it on PS4. Fast-paced, run around, murder nah, everything. I've had, and play, I've had to play Bloodborne. It's, they're just not challenging enough. I, I feel like they're... They get repetitive. Eh. Uh, and, and I feel like part of it has to do with sensationalism. Oh, look! You can lay waste to an army of people by yourself. A lot, you a lot of it awesome? also. A lot of it also has to do with that you're not looking quite as in depth at the, at the modern games because you, you are you're looking at the surface ones. This is true. There are a lot of good games like Mordheim City of the Dam that I could suggest I, to you. I'm not. This is true. What we're, there are plenty. What, of what we're saying is we have to we have to dunk Austin headfirst into the realm of modern gaming and yeah. hold him under. Until we we have we have to find the modern games that we know he will like. I don't even know, but just things that you know. I, I one of the things I regularly do is I'll go on Steam and look for the the indie games. Like that's how we found Techno Babylon. Yeah. Was and, and just look for obscure games I've never heard of that that don't have a whole lot of press coverage, and sort of you know play around with them and see what I see what I find. Whether or not it's good, find out whether it's good for streaming, whether it'll be good for, for getting angry at on, on camera, and whether it'll be good for, uh, or, or actually fun to play. Well, and then those so. are the modern games I like. Um, games like Mystic Bell, Axiom, um, games that you probably have never heard of, but they're just well made by a few people. Yeah. But like games like Mordheim City of the Dam, games like Blood Bowl and Blood Bowl 2, which is coming out this month, I'm so excited. Um, games like Battlefleet Gothic Armada, which is have coming you, out have soon. Have you played Regicide yet? 
And I have played Red Aside. It's a really fun chess game. It's really, it's really. They actually did successfully upgrade chess. Yeah, they made chess better. Um, games, games like that are games that I know you will enjoy also, if I can get you to play them. Also, also, fuck the RNG of Red Aside when you play of Red Aside because oh, I've got a seventy-five percent chance to hit these guys. Miss, miss, miss. They got a fifty. They've got a fifty percent chance to hit my captain. Dead, hit, 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 dead, dead. dead. <laughs> Uh, you, you can play Regicide like regular chess, or you can play it in tactical Regicide. You can play it... Even regular chess, they can still shoot each other. Yeah, but that's just the animations. No, no, they no, they still, like... No, I like, the, I like the there's, actual, there's actual classic chess, which oh, is, is just... There? It's just chess. With animations. I think I played that. I think you could still, you no, still like, shoot. No, like, there's there's actually one that is just chess. I'll look, I'll they look, they I'll probably look have it. varying modes of chess. Regular, yeah, varying modes there, There's of chess, chess. Slight, slight upgrade... To regicide. Yeah. Regicide is the the tactical stuff that is played in, that is played in the universe of the forty first millennium. Okay, yeah. But anyways, uh, that tangents. So um, so what what is the what is the moment the like the of, the, of Dark Souls that the core like? moment of Dark Souls is beating the Capra Demon. That was your that was your moment. Like the, the that moment of this boss is I have suffered through this boss two dozen times and it has killed me every single time but on that 25th time I finally dodged the right direction kill the dogs first and then finally beat him and that moment of exultation when you finally take down a boss that has merged you two dozen times is priceless the first time I beat the capper demon I threw shit at it over a wall <laughs> when you beat it the right way <laughs> It was my, that was my statement to the game. <laughs> this is how I feel. <laughs> when, when, you, when, you, when, you walk into the, when you walk into the boss fog and beat it the right way for the first time after it's murdered you two dozen times. It's Dark Souls, there is no wrong way. This, this is true. <laughs> if you find a cheap way to beat the boss, that's your, that's your own thing. But for me, for me, it was that moment of I walked into that boss gate and beat the crap out of that boss. Which <laughs> for Austin's benefit... Uh, this this particular section, all the bosses are like sort of gated off. Yeah. And this particular boss, the, the wall that it's gated off from, you can actually lob things over and hit oh. it because they exist in the world before you walk into the room. Oh, nice! At least this one does. Not all. Of Most them do. almost all of them do actually. The the under some, dragon some, does not. Some of them walk out. The under dragon does not. Yeah, the, the dragon does not because it comes out of it comes out of up, the ground. up out of the ground. Yeah. And so you can just lob. And so cheap projectiles there, there over is. It. No, there is There's an a, item called the dung pie. Called the dung pie, which which literally which, a pile of shit, which slowly builds up toxic, which is a very fast acting poison that kills you very quickly. And he's not, and the capra demon is not immune to it. So you can stand, <laughs> so you can stand <laughs> outside the gate of and course. literally lob shit over the wall. You have to get and like kill the capra. You have demon. to get like pinpoint perfect aim for it, and yeah. you slowly you slowly move forward as you throw it. So eventually, you have to step back and find your aim again yeah you've got to get it takes it takes a little while and you've got to get really good aim but that's how i killed the capper demon the first time i killed it i imagine dung piles are also a pretty cheap ammunition yep yep the, can, the only downside is they also build up toxic on you as when you, you use them. them so you have to have healing items but yeah that that was the first time i killed the capper demon it's sort excellent of, for, for me for me it was i i, I actually walked <laughs> into the gate and yeah. fought it yeah. and the thing the reason the capper demon is so hard is in itself is a challenging boss. It ha it has move sets that are really wide swings that, that are really that are really that are really it's a really effective monster on its own. It's also very mobile. It's it's, it's very it's very mobile. It <clears throat> fights you a in a shoebox. Yeah, like the area small. you fight it is incredibly small. And it has a pair of dogs. And, and then it has a pair of attack dogs with it. 
that harass you. That's not very nice. It's not. So, so you're fighting this big creature that does big swings in a very small area with two dogs with two dogs biting your heels the whole time. And so, it, like, the moment when you walk into that boss gate, dodge its first swing, kill the two dogs, get up the stairs, fight it down. It Like, that moment when you do everything perfect is incredibly satisfying after you've been killed 24 times. Yeah. And so yeah, that that's 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 Shadow Courses. That 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 is that is the that is the that is what Dark Souls is to me is that perfect moment of you finally beat through the suffering. Yeah. All right. What about you, Yudits? Uh, uh, the the moment that first springs to mind is um, from Baldur's Gate Two. Uh, and I, I love Baldur's Gate One. It was a great game, and I feel like one of the but one of the biggest downsides was Saravok was. A kind of uninteresting. Yeah, I think two two was definitely the superior of the other games. Yeah, Saravok was not the most interesting. Two villain. also opened better. There's a there's a there's a there's a statement said there's a statement being said about games like if if you're not if you're not showing me the most interesting aspect of the main character's life, why? And you should be. Yeah, you know, it's like you should be showing me this character's most interesting because that's what's going to make me interested in the story. And and that's the the moment is the moment that you escape from the the the, the first prison you're in, and that bit with John Arenicus, yeah, annihilating the cowled wizards, the way he spoke, his his character. <clears throat> I wanted to know more about him. I'm like, you're the villain, but I want to know you. I want to know why you. Yeah, he was. I think. He, not to mention, didn't, Bald, didn't, didn't, Bald, didn't Baldur's Gate have the best character ever in the form of Minsk? Well, yes. Baldur's well, but he was in one and two. He was in he was in one uh, as well. Honestly, yeah. my favorite villain of all time of any video game is John Arenicus. John Because as you play the game, <clears throat> you've learned about your character and your past. You are learning about the villain that you are trying to take down, and it he becomes a character that is so in depth you learn so much about him you learn the pacing of the game flows really well um he's just such a fleshed out character yeah oh yeah and and again and and, and Baldur's Gate 2 opens with him basically and, and another note the voice acting in Baldur's Gate 2 is brilliant oh yeah oh that reminds me in, like especially in regards to story Dark Souls has one of my favorite storytelling methods and I I only discovered it out of Dark Souls because a little bit of premise, the 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 director for Dark Souls is Japanese, and he always had a fondness for like Western European medieval stories and like the stories of knighthood and of glory. Yeah, but he couldn't read English. He, he his English wasn't great, so he was missing pieces of the story as he read, and so he had to, based on what he could understand, try and intuit the rest of the story and try and figure out what was going on with it. And that's the kind of writing style that he put into Dark Souls, where you are dropped in the middle of this universe that is going on around you. You are not told everything. Like it's a world of imperfect information. You 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 can you can see the world around you. The world around you knows exactly what's going on. You don't. Yeah. And so you find the world around you through the items that you pick up and read the descriptions of, through the bosses, through their visual design, through some through pieces of dialogue that you can get from things. Like, you never know the entire story, but you learn little bits of it that you can kind of intuit what's going on as you go through the world. Yeah. So, uh, Baldur's Gate 
it, so it's just the the character of John Arrhenius. It, it's not the opening of Baldur's Gate. The too. opening of Baldur's Gate, the the character of John Arrhenius, and one one of the other things I loved about Baldur's Gate too is I think it it had the best definition <laughs> of open world gameplay, but not forget the plot. Open yeah, world yeah, gameplay. All the all the areas that you went to assisted in in in, in directing yes. you towards the, the and, plot. and there were so many optional things, but they all tied in. They all expanded the world. They all had something to do with the plot. It wasn't Skyrim where, whoops, I forgot the plot. What am I doing again? Yeah, where the plot's not necessarily the most important thing. Um, and I love the, I loved in Baldur's Gate too. I loved the little character moments that would happen. Um, oh yes, the little the little bitty side stories and side bits. Like at one point, you run into uh, the company of the mist. Yep. Like like, and you can choose to you, do, you, you can either. And at the time, I didn't know who they were because this was before I'd ever read any. Arya Salvatore. Told us Gate One. You can run into uh, yeah. Drist. Yeah, this was because I never I had not read any Ari Salvatore at this point in time, and it was the full company, wasn't it? It was. Yes, it was, it Drist, was Drist, Bruner, Wolfgar, Wolfgar, Bruner, Caterbury, and Regis. And Regis. Yeah. Yep. Um. And you have a conversation with them. And you can choose to kill them and take their stuff. <laughs> or you can just say, all right, well, nice to meet you. Bye. See you later. Or you can have them help you yeah. fight um, Bodai. Yeah. Or you can have them help you fight. Which is awesome. Which is, yeah, particularly awesome. I love the, you know who uh, they are. I love the, uh, the console code in, um, in Baldur's Gate. Oh, yeah. Summon Drist. Drist attacks. Drist defends. You can summon him aggressively towards you or in defense of you. Yeah. Drist attacks, Drist defends. Um, just, he's 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 real cool. It's it's it was it's one of those really cool sort of tying in of the extra world. It makes you feel like that world is bigger than it is in the game. Well, and they had lots of tie-ins to classic characters: Elminster, Volo. Mm-hmm. You actually go to Elminster's Tower in Baldur's Gate Two, don't you? No, I thought you did. You go to the Blackstaff, don't you? No, no, no. no Blackstaff's no. a Neverwinter. You go to um, yeah, no, the Helm's Tower. Helm's Tower. Tower. Um, and uh, Boulder's Gate 1 was very open-ended to the point where sometimes the open end, the open-endedness didn't contribute to the plot always. Boulder's Gate 2 is perfectly <coughs> open-ended and been in Bold- the expansion for Boulder's Gate 2 was a little bit linear. Uh, Adventures of the Sword Coast? Or no, no, uh, no, no. Throne no. of Ball. Throne of Ball. Was, it, was, a, was a bit more linear and I was a little disappointed. It also wasn't as challenging because when you hit epic levels you get ridiculous Throne of Ball was fun I think Throne of Ball Throne of Ball had a really good opening too though like, it had a great opening like, I, w- I was vested but as it played on it just got more and more sort of meh one of the biggest problems in my opinion was you, you're fighting against <clears throat> the, the different the different sons of Ball and they didn't feel cohesive yeah it was a series of mini-sodes almost yeah um, and some of them weren't even that interesting. It's like the airing of Fireflies episodes out of order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so, my turn. <laughs> yeah. Um, this will probably be echoed by a few people, but not here. Um, the, the moment in gaming that is my favorite that really changed the way... So when, when I think... when I And this, it came to mind immediately. When I think of things that that I really love. It's things that change the way I perceive something. Something that sort of opens my mind and opens the way I look. And, and, and this this absolutely changed the way that I see modern gaming. That I look at storytelling. And that I look at modern game. Modern gaming. And it was the end of Bioshock 1. 
Would you kindly? Uh, so, spoilers for the end of Bioshock 1. If you don't already know this, go play Bioshock 1. If you do already know this, then you know what I'm talking about. And go play Bioshock 1 go again. Go play Bioshock 1 again. <laughs> so, at the end of Bioshock 1, you are. it is revealed by the main villain that everything you have done has been to plan. For the most part. Um... And it's revealed this way by a very simple phrase. And it's the only time in the game that control is ever taken away from you until you think back. Um, the, the main character asks you that you've come, or the, 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 you've come to kill him. It's, it's uh, uh, what's his face? I, he's not important, this, this situation is, but it's Andrew Ryan. Andrew Ryan, the founder of Rapture, asks, you know, you're, you're there to kill him. And get off rapture he asks you would you kindly stop and you stop no matter how much you fight with the controller you cannot move he then asks you a several series uh, a series of things uh, tasks for you to do and you do them automatically you can't you have no control would you kindly etc would you kindly this and that and the other and he explains that you are i think you're you're not his son are you his Yeah, you are his son. You're his son. You're his son, and you've been mentally programmed to do whatever anybody, whatever comes after, would you kindly? No matter what it is, would you kindly kill yourself? And you, you know, you would, you would, you would shoot yourself. I think he actually does that. Yes, you, you actually shoot yourself in the head. Yeah. You survive it, but... Yeah, you shoot yourself in the head. Um, and... He reveals that throughout the entire game, you've been following the instructions of this guy named Atlas, who's been telling you, you know, he's been giving you instructions. And when you think back from that point, all of your objective goals that came up were preempted by would you kindly. Everything that you've done in the game, supposedly of your own free will, and by your own control with the controller has been preempted by would you kindly. Every, even the letter, I think, that you have at the beginning when you're flying out over the, over the ocean says, would you kindly take this package to wherever. Um, and when you look back, you suddenly have this realization that nothing you have done in the game was your decision. As a player. You had no agency in this game at all and that really sort of changed the way i look at games do i really have agency in this game i have control over the character model and whether or not i pull the trigger whether or not i bludgeon this guy over the head but do i actually have agency in how i play this game which is something that I'm, I'm really enjoying about, and, and, and something I'm really enjoying about the Metal Gear Solid game or the Metal Gear games is that I actually do have some level of agency in them because they're 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 ostensibly stealth missions, but I've run through them killing people. <laughs> it's of like course. because you, and it doesn't stop you. There's no there's no punishing there, well, and um, and 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 that sort of just that 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 one moment of clarity at the end of Bioshock One, I will never forget it. And it is a Although that bullet you put through your head kind of erased that programming, didn't it? It did. Yeah, the bullet you put through your head sort of kills it, but it it, it never really 
will leave me that idea that 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 question of am I actually in control of what I'm doing right now? Well, one of one of my favorite games, and it's a fairly recent game, um, made independently though, uh, is a game called EG. I J I. Um, go go buy this game right. No, it's free. Go download it right now. Um, and and it's it's a two dimensional platformer. You start. As a as a woman, you woke you you fell you got knocked out in a while you were in a science lab, and you woke up with technological implants and a gun. And you're like, hey, yeah, the scientist augmented you because you were lying around to go murder all the aliens who just invaded our planet. That's why you got knocked out. Have at it. And what I love about the game is the level of choice that you have. And uh, when I played the game, I, I had heard that yeah, no, you know, you've got complete control. The first ten enemies you shoot, you apologize to after shooting them, but you can play the game without shooting anyone. Huh. It's a complete... And not only will it... Pl- will Can you run a pacifist? The game, plot, story, and characters will adapt nice. to different play styles. If you play a pacifist. If you play a pacifist. Does she become more aggressive and angry the more you kill things? Yes. Well, now here's the question. What if you do it half and half? It has an effect. If um, you, you can... You can do it strategically, making only strategic kills, and people will make note of it. You can go at it going straight for objectives. You can have it where you kill everybody on, on in every level. And depending on how you do it depends on how PCs react to you and how there's different notepads left around of... Um, I said PCs, NPCs right to Different notepads left around of, you know, communications between the alien soldiers of, you know, hey, yeah, this woman um, is running around picking up all this ammo, but she hasn't shot any of us. Does she intend to just steal our ammunition? Or, yeah, no, this woman um, has murdered every single one of us. We should probably be afraid. We should run. Or And then there's the in-betweens, you know, she's driven. She only takes out who she has to. Or she's really clever, you know, she only took out this one guy who was in her way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so many different ways that the game plays out. Yeah. Um, depending on how how you choose to play what is ostensibly a 2D shooter. So I think the... Um, uh, speaking of, the, like, um, mechanical agency, like, the idea, of, like, in, in Metal Gear Solid, the idea that you can stealth through this mission you can go in guns blazing, Warframe <coughs> is another game that has a lot of mechanical agency. Well, you, ha- you have an objective to complete. Yeah. Often but the that way- objective is kill everything. No, it's only, only <laughs> in the elimination missions. And the elimination missions are not nearly as numerous as the other ones. Yeah. Um... But the way you go about it is entirely up to you. Like you can, like you, you're given you're given a level layout, your equipment, and an objective, and that's it. And you're told like the objective is get to the core and destroy the re- destroy the ship's reactor so it crashes. You can stealth your way through. You can avoid all the enemies. You can strategically assassinate people, or you can go in guns blazing and just murder your way through. Yeah, which that's, is the most popular method because I, people have trouble stealthing. I, I'm a fan of any game that lets you be a pacifist. Yeah, and and, and well, you're not really a pacifist because you're still killing them at the end. Uh, but in, in 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 the case of Warframe, though, the end isn't affected at all by, by yeah. The end doesn't yeah. change. It's just you get to your objective it's, it's anyway. How you like. get from how you get from point A to point B the, is there, up to you. There's a point in EG where if you're a pacifist, um, one of the bosses who you would normally have to kill, literally the commanding officer under under the boss comes in and shoots him in the back of the neck and is like, I didn't want you to have to make that choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I admire you so much for what you haven't done to us. Yeah. So it, it will affect things like that. Um, <clears throat> so this is actually the, the, my, my quest for agency 
uh, my, my, my not quest, but my, my, my sort of observation that I didn't see have, have led me to some very interesting places. Like, uh, there are some games, they don't necessarily have that level of agency that, 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 you, that you sometimes want. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes agency is good, sometimes agency is bad. Sometimes agency tends to be binary, where uh, games will um, games will they'll give you a sense of agency, but you're really picking between A and B. Right, sometimes, and, and, sometimes, and a sometimes lot of times when you give a... A and B lead to the same place, yeah, and, like an all the Neverwinter Nights game. Well, sometimes when you give sometimes when you give players agency, they just fuck up your game. That too, and sometimes agency is meant to be an illusion. And at this point, some people are going to stop listening to us because we're going to talk about Mass Effect Three. Oh, um, the end of Mass Effect Three. The end of Mass Effect Three. We're getting contentious now. Uh, we're not actually getting all that contentious because this is actually um, this is a well this is a well discussed topic and has had many opinions on it. This is a well discussed topic and has had many opinions on it. But the reason I bring it up is because it's another one of those very memorable moments for me, mm-hmm. where I began again. I began questioning looking, the agency you've had. I questioning the agency I've had, and I began looking at the story differently. And this Mass Effect, the ending of Mass Effect 3 really made me go back and rethink the entire story of the trilogy. Not just the story of Commander Shepard, the story of all of his allies, and the story of that world as a whole. And all the events that have happened there between everybody else and the races, everything back from First Contact on. And... <clears throat> sort of the story that the, the 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 meaning that they were trying to impart with the ending. Most people know this. The end. It's the spoilers for Mass Effect Three. Um, the ending of Mass Effect Three. You are presented with a choice, and it's basically A, B, or C: red, green, or blue. Um, and it's whether or not you choose to try to control the Reapers whether you choose to synthesize all human life and all sentient and all sentient life all synthetic life or whether you choose to destroy all synthetic life and in reality the choice doesn't matter because no matter which no 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 matter which ending you choose this is the end of commander shepard's story and the only thing that really that it really affects is what stories come after. There will still be stories after, and really but how they're going to be. Framed. They don't they don't affect too much afterward because no. apparently, like like Andromeda is so far ahead and in a different place that yeah. none of the decisions made in the previous no. trilogy matter. No, um, and I find that beautiful because the point of Mass Effect has always been about cycles. They talk about cycles throughout the entire game. Cycles of life, cycles of cycles of civilization and the cycle of the reapers. Where the reapers will allow life to flourish and become sentient and advance and build up to a certain technological level and then they will come in, destroy them all, build a new reaper and go on. Their reproductive cycle. Effectively. <laughs> reproductive. Um, yes, reproductive cycle. Um and the ending of Mass Effect remains the same, no matter what choices you made through all three games. The ending will always narrow back down to these three points. And that decision of whether or not you're going to break the cycle or repeat it. Those, that's your only real two choices. 
the third the the third choice is an illusion. Either you break the cycle by destroying all synthetics, or forming synthesis, or you maintain the cycle by trying to control the Reapers. I would actually argue that destroying is actually maintaining the cycle. Because the idea behind it was that the Reapers were formed because of this whole cycle of humanity, of of organics versus synthetics. This Mm -hmm. idea that as organics build synthetics to help them, the synthetics rise against them and and the organics destroy the synthetics as the synthetics destroy the organics. Yeah. And so destroying them is actually continuing the cycle because it's just another continuation of organics destroying synthetics. That's, that's actually that's a valid point. Um, that one can go that that one could go both ways, but there's still only two results: either the cycle continues or the cycle ends. Um, like synthesis is the only one to me that really ends the cycle. Yeah, because then there is no distinction between organic and synthetic. Yeah. Um. But. The reason that that's so powerful to me and so beautiful to me is because Mass Effect mechanically was going through a very similar cycle. It started off as sort of a, a broad RPG. You know, it was very, very, very sort of tactical, numbers heavy, gear shifting RPG. If you think about Western RPG developments, it started in the same place mm-hmm. with Diablo and, and similar games like that where it was all numbers. Um, and with, with the Ultima series and with Magicka, or uh, Wizardry. Wizardry, Wizardry, not Magicka, Wizardry. Magicka is um, a new one. Wizardry, where you know it's, it's, it's a dungeon run, it's grind, it's numbers. It was all based in this D&D tabletop RPG experience. D&D shape. Yeah. Western RPGs. Exactly. And you can very much see the D&D influence in Mass Effect. Then, Mass Effect 2 is still a linear single-player experience, but it's more action-oriented. We see where RPGs start to evolve into action games. We see the melding of these two genres into an RPG action game where it continues on into the cycle of video games, of RPGs. Now we're getting your Skyrims, your uh, Fallouts, your Fallout 3, your, um, you know, all of your sort of The Witcher, you know, yeah. as action-adventure games evolve into becoming more action-y, less adventure less RPG. And then in Mass Effect 3 is effectively a shooter, effectively a third-person shooter, Insofar as it has multiplayer elements, it has a multiplayer mode that a lot of shooters have. Most shooters, almost all shooters have some form of multiplayer that is based off the gameplay, kind of. And while it's got its unique aspects to it, it still has completed that evolution from classic Western RPG to modern shooter. And then you choose... Do you break the cycle or maintain it? Now we're asking, more philosophically, outside of the game, do we want game developers to continue the cycle or destroy it? So I love... And, 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 and when, you, when you pull back a little bit, it's got some major levels of commentary on the game industry right there. 
that no that everyone missed because they were upset about their fan fictions. Sorry, just putting it out there. <laughs> I because, think John has feelings about this subject. Well, it, it, it's sort of like the whole the whole big fight started because people wanted to know what happened to Shepard's command, Shepard's companions, which is fine, which is fair. You know, I, I the the extended ending did add in what happens to them, and I, I think that's fine. But it misses the point. The point is not about Shepard's companions. The point has never been about Shepard's companions. Shepard cares a lot about his companions, and his character arc is about his companions. That's true. But the game series is about cycles. And whether or not this cycle ends. And that all your choices leading up to this point have been pointless. Everything. Your relationships have been pointless. Your choices have been pointless. If you only look at the ending. But the journey was not pointless. The experience was not pointless. The connections that you made, the bonds that you made, were still important in their time. But in the next cycle, they don't matter. In the next cycle, regardless of what you choose, doesn't matter. And that's what I mean by the ending of Mass Effect 3 was beautiful. <laughs> and, and quite an experience. So, that's another one of my favorite moments. And if you look at the two, you'll see a connection there. <laughs> In that it changes the way, they both sort of change the way I look at gaming. And how I look at storytelling. And how I look at the way things come together in that it doesn't necessarily mean what you're seeing on the paper or what you're seeing on the game. Well, it's like me as a writer and as like a DM and a storyteller, <clears throat> so many of my characters and my story arcs are philosophical or moral questions. Yeah. Like, you guys didn't waste too much time on it, but the question... <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 question the question of Falloran versus um, the warden who was hunting him uh, was a question of is it all right to wield darker powers if you wield them for a brighter purpose? The answer was yes. Apparently, because you chose to help Falloran. I mean, it, it's the classic: do the ends justify the means? Yeah. And with our with our party of no Steves, <laughs> the answer was yes. And our party with one good character <laughs> and the one good character was perfectly okay with demon hunters because of what she's lived through yeah, yeah. she was not a steve it, it, it's it's interesting playing <clears throat> playing with characters who are not what you would traditionally expect um another another great experience i had with gaming was the planescape torment game which i'll be back <laughs> <laughs> not gonna take that long continue I was just going to say, the Planescape Torment game did a great job of... Your character doesn't have to be good or evil. Your character is simply trying to discover himself. And it will cause things to happen. <laughs> if you mean them for good, it doesn't necessarily mean that they were good. If you meant them for evil, it might benefit someone. It, it was a very intensive storytelling experience in, in that you are simply developing your character. You're not, tr you know... You're not trying to necessarily <coughs> save the world. And I, I should clarify, the fact, that, the fact that you guys didn't spend too much like decision-making time with Falloran isn't bad. It just means that your party 
knows their opinion on that matter. Yes. Yeah, we've, we've already... Everyone... And, and to be fair, I think every one of us as players also know our opinion on that matter. It's like... It, it, it's well, it's, like, a, it's ironic because, of course, my opinion on that matter <coughs> as a player would have been the opposite. Yeah. Um, but... And you know. I think I think for almost all of us, it, was all, it, it would probably be the opposite. Yeah. But I, I think also we all have that caveat of, well, sometimes it depends. And it's like, and it's like, the, like, like that's why I build so many of these philosophical <clears throat> questions on different topics within my story, because some of them you'll just power through. You know the answer already. Your characters, both you and your characters, know their philosophical opinions on this matter. That's not a, that's not a hard question for them. Some of them will give you pause. Yeah. Some of them will be like, is this actually an okay decision? Have any of them given us pause yet? Well, so far, your characters are really set in stone. <laughs> well, also, your character tends to be very set in his way of, mm, yeah, does it benefit me? Yes, no? Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, hey, how, how often do people play that character in, 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 in tabletop RPG sessions? Too often. Do they really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Too often. Because I, I find that, in our, at least in our setting, not that often. Well, it's because our characters tend to have flaws and they want to develop. That is a flaw. <laughs> you're, not, you're not developed. Anyway, table top, top squabbles aside, the interesting I'm, I'm trying to play a character who has moral apathy. Yeah. So. Basically, the, the only moral questions in, in our current party come from our leader right now. Which is probably why she is the leader. <laughs> she hasn't really asked any moral, any moral questions, though. She has, actually. But it's mostly, it's mostly been, like, on, it's mostly been on her decisions, like... Which have which have been a lot of discussion between me and her, but you just kind of follow along and do it and do what you do. Yeah, and Reaper does what he does. Reaper do what he do, <laughs> and he don't do nothing else. <laughs> which is a character I don't think I've ever played before, and I'm really enjoying it. Well, there, there were times in um, in Shadowrun where it would come up as, well, we've defeated this group. What do we do with them? Yeah, and of course, there's my character who's like, I don't want to kill them. They were already defeated. Yeah, and then there was Emma's character who was like murder, 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 murder. murder. Well, it's like the the big the biggest moment that I realized recently uh, was the Kobolds, <clears throat> um, because that was that was a decision that that you were kind of split on. Some of you just wanted to like barge right through them. It, it was interesting because we all we all made our own personal decisions, and those decisions did not all coincide. H- Holly chose to subdue them without causing permanent harm. Uh, my father and I were like. They were not Go going by. to hurt us, we'll just walk. And then Zach and I were like, kill them all! <laughs> and then you found out the repercussions those had later on. <laughs> not too terribly bad of a repercussion. I will pose as a kobold, I will put a candle on my head. <laughs> but m- m- moral questions are an interesting thing When in some of the characters games, don't ask them. Because it's, it's, it's really hard to present moral questions in video games, because oftentimes you're locked into... A or B answers, and yeah. there's not always. You sometimes there's not always an A or B answer. But then in, in, in the, then in D and D, you've got A B C D E and F A D, A B C D E F G H. Go through the alphabet. Yeah. I choose semicolon <laughs> <laughs> because I can. Um, and, and that was one of the things when I played um, <clears throat> Knight of the Old Republic. You run into this is light side, this is dark side, and sometimes it's. I'm looking at the choices. I'm like, I know which one is the light side and which one is the dark side. Because but, it has a handy glowing symbol next to it. Well, it doesn't, but it's obvious. Yeah. George Lucas is not subtle. So, uh, he didn't write that either. No. But the concepts of Star Wars are not subtle. The concepts of Star Wars are not subtle. Yeah. Um, and there, but there'd be times where it's, 
I don't want to do this light side action because that's not actually helping anybody. That, and, and it's not a cool thing. Like that 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 was my cool conflict with Star Wars was that sometimes following the path of the light was not something that you would do as a nice person. And and and, and there were there were times when it's like I can gi- I can either give you money to help you through your problems or I can extort you and it's like why can't I help you in a different manner. Just giving you money to get out of your debts doesn't help and you. And funny, there, there are some occasions where giving them money is actually the dark side decision because the light side decision is to say, no. Yes. I cannot <clears throat> do this for you because only you can solve your problems. Yeah. Or it's, if you, you have shown a constant pattern of, of, of issue, giving you money is a temporary solution to a long-term problem. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's an out. And I, I feel like and there's, there's, there's vid- video games have trouble dealing with that because NPCs oftentimes are designed as a one-off help me, don't help Yeah, there's, there, there's sort of, it's very difficult to sort of That's, do that. But it, I find it interesting. Like, Star Wars has an interesting it, morality system. I find it, I find it interesting to, to pull it back a little bit that all of our gaming experiences that we have really enjoyed have been based in one form or another around choice. Mm-hmm. Whereas mine was in the absence of choice, yours was in the is, is in a game where uh, you have as many choices as you can think of, they just don't affect anything other than how you get through the game. Yeah. And yours is about the, uh, the, uh, the variety of choices that you have to yeah. deal with one solution that all lead to one solution. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I found it very interesting that we sort of ended up revolving around choice as a catalyst of, of, our, of our most memorable well, moments. And then oh, it's like, using that as a springboard into a conversation about where, where some games or where certain, uh, certain storylines or certain aspects of games fall short in that regard. And again, because I, I agree with both of you, there is something to be said for the fact that the most popular type of Force user in the Star Wars universe is either going to be Dark Side or Grey Jedi, which are never talked about in any of the games. Um, it's like that, this, this, is a, this is a fun <coughs> fact. This is the fun thing that I really like about Star Wars and morality system. Yeah. The light and dark side. Because light and dark side are not good or evil. Yeah. They are, they are, they are control or emotion. And so the light side decision is not always a good decision. Sometimes it's sometimes it's just an apathetic decision or just a, like a reserved decision, and sometimes not the dark side decision isn't always an evil decision. Sometimes it's an emotional one. It's order and chaos. Yes, and I find it funny that and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but uh, Lucas addressed the problem with his own world in in his own in his movies. Mm-hmm. The objective here is balance. You balance the light and the dark. But neither the Jedi nor the Sith actually seek balance as much as the as much as the Jedi talk about yeah. it. They seek total domination of one or the which, other. Which is why the Jedi in movies <coughs> four, five, and six are heralded so much. But when you see them in movies one, two, and three, at their core, it's a bureaucratic system of of law. It, like of they law. are the equivalent of law. Yeah. Um, and so I find it I find it hilarious, and I don't I don't think it was intentional. I think he has a very I think he has a very good sort of idea of the Jedi are the good guys and the Sith are the bad guys. But <clears throat> when you look at the way he presents it, it's very clear 
when you again when you analyze it that neither are good yeah really because they're both going about it wrong especially and when the you person look at a that, like like Mace Windu who at first yeah seems like okay he he's just you know the the he's he's a good guy but you're like he's he doesn't trust people yeah which he which drives Anakin away <clears throat> he doesn't allow any form of discussion about anything he's controlling like, he's, he's very stuck of, in his way a lot a lot of Anakin's fall can be attributed to light side actions yeah yeah. That were done to him. Yeah, uh, sort of uh, that res- that sort of restraint and tradition. I also find it f- hilarious that Luke is a gray Jedi. Oh yeah, like Luke he follows has his emotions when 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 he feels they are right. Luke, Luke, who is the one that brought balance to the Force, brought balance to the Force by having experienced both the light and the dark. Yeah, like in the in the in the original trilogy, he experiences both the light and dark side of the Force repeatedly. And it's through his, it's through knowledge of both that he wins. Because it's not, he doesn't just refuse, he, he holds off on attacking the Emperor, which is the light side thing. But it's not until he, he, he gives in to that darker urge and tries to attack him that he actually makes any progress. Well, it's like, <coughs> most of the actually good characters in Star Wars have been Grey Jedi. Or, or, or even Grey on the scale. Yeah. Like, like Han Solo and Leia. Like Han Solo, Leia, Qui-Gon Jinn, um, the, your teacher in KOTOR, the, the, uh, the guy who lives on Kashyyyk. Jolie Bindo. Jolie Bindo. Like, he's not really your teacher. He, no, he's not your teacher, but he's one who ident- he straight up identifies as Grey. Yeah. But he's the one who raises all the moral questions. Yeah. Whereas um, Bastila, who's the good Jedi, is just straight law all the way down. Yeah. Has a very cut and cleared answer that <clears throat> doesn't always work. She's also the first to fall. Yes. If you choose to go dark side, she's the first to fall. Which I think is a really brilliant well, aspect she, of the writing. She falls no matter what. Yeah, well, I mean, you, yeah, but you can bring her back. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a really brilliant aspect of the writing is that she is the she's the scion of the Jedi is the first to fall to yeah. the dark. I think, it's, I think that's brilliant. I think it's like it's it's like a teeter totter. Like if you <coughs> if you both stand on the edges, you flip up and down. But if you stand in the middle, if you stand in the center, you, you balance. balance. Yeah. Um. Which is why I find that uh, going back to pen and paper RPGs, well, and stories in general, stories about the middle, mm-hmm. I find are the best. The the imperial soldier that's just doing his job. You know the or the the rebel or the rebel soldier who's only a rebel because he had no choice. I find the stories about those people who are more closer to the middle to be m- far more fascinating in, Star, in Star Wars. Mal, yeah, Firefly. stories of Mal, Mal from Firefly. Yeah, that that kind of that kind of story, and that kind of character. Not only is it more interesting, it's also more relatable mm-hmm. because no matter what our political pundits will try to say, we all fall in the middle. We don't, none of us are extreme left, extreme right. We're all somewhere in the middle. Um, We're not all either Hitler or Stalin. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's funny because not even Hitler or Stalin were all one we're, side. Yeah, Hitler was a painter. <laughs> yeah, Hitler is a... Now we start extolling the virtues of Hitler <laughs> in this podcast. We, we could spend a long time with... The crazed psyche that is Hitler, he was a fascinating individual. And crazy. And, and very, very unstable. 
Um, yeah, bipolar, you might say. <laughs> Stal- Stalin is a much better paragon of pure evil. Yeah, it is. Um, there's, there's not as much to Stalin. He's just a terrible evil He's person. He's just a dick. He's just someone who said, kill them all. <laughs> Anyways, going back into fantasy. Because um, real life is hard. Um, and, and characters like, um, again, like Han. Like Han. Han. Like Han is everybody's favorite character in the original not edited version of the Star Wars movies. He shoots first, thank you. Because he shoots first. And I think the fact that he shoots first is such a such a big key to his personality. Because he doesn't let people get the better of him. No. Like, the the weird jump cut, ooh, I dodged the blaster bolt thing, just makes him look lucky and stupid. No, like, that wasn't even dodge a blaster bolt, that was Greedo was like, nee, 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 nee. Well, no, no, if you, if you watch the edited footage, they shift the footage to the left. <laughs> The actual, the entire frame shifts to the left. So they, <laughs> so it looks like he just went, and dodged the bullet, or the, the blaster. Um, whereas if he shoots first, and then then it shows a lot of character. Not only does it show a lot of character, it also gives him some place to go. Yeah, as a character. Y- one of the things I hate about sequels in games is, or, or in games and movies, etc., is <clears throat> a character will start at a point and a point and, and, grow. And, and, and they grow and then in the sequel they're reset <laughs> they're somehow either magically reset or they have nowhere to grow yeah um and, uh, the well, character that, that, ter- character development that's the issue with unplanned sequels yeah when you plan a story to be in multiple yes. parts like you like plan Luke that Skywalker's across. growth was very planned out it was <laughs> he's going to you know become the the chaotic good hero then he's going to dip into, well, what do I have to do to save my friends? You know, what are my emotions telling me? And then he goes to, well, there's not an easy answer. Like, yeah. It, it, it's, hard, it's hard to make a sequel if you didn't plan on it originally. And that's... Because you try to wrap yeah. up the story in the first, in, in the one thing you've yeah. got. Yeah. And I love, I love, like, the, like, talking about powerful moments in movies, the, the Luke, Emperor, Darth Vader scene at the end of the yes. third movie is the most powerful scene in the movies. And it's just the three of them standing there. Mm-hmm. The Emperor talking. Vader's not talking, Luke's not talking. The Emperor is talking. And it's just them standing. For a good half an hour of that movie, by the way, if you go back and watch, they're not doing anything. But it's the best scene in the movie. Because you can feel the struggle in Luke. And that scene was missing entirely in the in the in the the prequels Mm -hmm. that scene didn't exist lucas didn't realize what he had done he thought he had written a boring scene (laughs) and in what that where that scene needed to be that scene needed to be some sort of mace windu palpatine anakin yeah the scene almost got there in the third movie it it got really close it was within an inch and then anakin sliced mace's hand off and threw him out a window And, and what what needed to happen instead of Anakin thinking about it, he needed it to be his his instinct reaction. I saved Palpatine because I didn't contemplate the consequences, and now I'm dedicated to that. Not I'm going to think about it. I think being a dark Jedi that sounds cool, right? Yeah, right, Palpatine. Yeah, now they take his hand off. Um, I, I think it had it needed to have and it needed more to be like the, a gut reaction, a not... gut reaction. Oh my goodness! What have well, I done? I, I've always said that the the thing that would have made the the, the thing that would have made the this, the prequels better would be a moment of quiet. 
in the dead of night. Anakin gets up out of bed. Out of bed with, uh, with Padme. Out of bed with Padme. She's still sleeping. Goes to the mirror. Stares at himself for about 15 minutes. Well, another thing... And we we get something on his face of him internally struggling. No dialogue. Or or the... him struggling with with his decisions. The Luke and Dagobah scene. Yeah. When he... I mean, it's a very mallet subtle metaphor. Well, yeah, it's it's, it's the the hero goes into the magic cave. And (laughs) he cuts off Darth Vader's head and sees himself. Yeah. But it was what his character... Needed. Needed. There was no magic cave. There was no hero going into the magic cave. Yeah. And they... Funny thing! (laughs) They did it in the animated series. Yeah, they did. Qui-Gon sent him into the Dagobah cave. Yeah. Sent Anakin into the Dagobah cave in the animated series. That was the attempt to save it and it didn't work. (laughs) And... I think they tried to do it with him slaughtering the Tusken Raiders to save his mother, they, but it didn't. That's, yeah, it didn't. It didn't work because there was no self-reflection. There was no self-reflection. There was there no. There was no doubt in his actions. There was no one saying. Was th- there was no contemplation? And it was so short. It was I killed them all, the mothers and the kids. I'm like, you're not going to talk about. Was that excessive? You know, why did you do it? You also, just- how can you tell that there were mothers and kids? The short ones, maybe, but the, the how can you tell which ones are female, which ones are male? Um, and, and also, Padme's just like, oh, I'm so sorry that you committed murder. There's no repercussion. Yeah. It, it needed... <clears throat> well, one, one, one thing I can say, I, I do agree with um, uh, the Nostalgia Critics. One of, one of his key points <clears throat> about the good things about the prequel trilogy was their casting choice for Anakin. Because... He actually does a good job of conveying this tempest that is going on in Anakin's head. Yeah. They just don't give him enough screen time the, to do it. The, yeah. The, the acting, the actors in, the in ac- Star Wars. The actors were not the problem. The direction. The, the, the actors were not the problem. The director was the problem. And the editing. But pe- people complain a lot about Anakin being this, like, flat face character, but... It like there really is a sense of this tempest going on inside his oh, head yeah. behind yeah, no, with no, that no. actor. Hayden Christensen did not do a bad job with what he was given. The problem is that he wasn't given much. Yeah. Um, and and and, and, it, and it, I think people people's gut reaction is that because of the directing. Yeah. I think I think that it, that's one of those things. Like with with taking this topic back to video games, uh, with Dinklebot in Destiny. Yeah. After having he after having heard for those of you that don't know, uh, the the ghost in Destiny was voiced by Peter Dinklage. And now it's being voiced by Nolan North because they they swapped it out because they wanted to get more ryan, more lines and they couldn't get Dinklage again. There was some issue with Dinklage's contract because he's kind of he's kind of busy. He's he's really busy now. He's really busy. We don't know the details. But after hearing Nolan North's re you know reworking of it, say so they've completely redone it. All of Dinklage's old lines are now North North. After having listened to uh, a, a comparison, I can definitively say. That the issue with Dinklage's performance was not him. It was his direction. Mm. Because a lot of the new changes that make it sound better, more pleasing to the ear, is a change in emphasis. Or a change in, a, a change in pace and a change in emphasis. Which are things that you don't get that are not on the script. Changes in pace and emphasis are not on the script. That's something that a director tells you. Say, okay, that was good... I want you to change your emphasis. I want you to slow it down. I want you to speed it up. I want you to put the emphasis here instead of there. That's not an acting decision. That is a director's decision. 
the acting decision is the you know the tone of voice, the sort of the, the, the personality behind the voice, and that can be cultured and brought out. Peter Dinklage gave them Peter Dinklage. Their task is then to take Peter Dinklage and turn it into the ghost, which they didn't do. Like Peter Dinklage's performance was, was excellent. Was fine, yeah. It's just they didn't give him the direction to make the character stand out. Exactly, and then so a lot of the and like it's like because because Nolan North uh, is not that different from from Dinklage's performances. It's not drastically different. His, his voice isn't quite as like velvet smooth, but yeah, no, he, he doesn't have the same. Vo- he doesn't have the same voice, but the big differences are the inflection, tone, and pace. Yeah. And these are all things that are controlled by the director when when he gives you direction. So I feel like a, a, a big problem was that he was so busy, or, or my, he, my, he was my, either so busy or so intimidating that they didn't want to give him direction or they couldn't give him direction. I, Peter Dinklage seems like a really friendly guy. He is, but you also realize this is Tyrion Lannister. This is fair, but it it, it uh, your your it's kind of the thing that I get in reality with people who don't get to know me where your the perception of you and your reputation can make you more intimidating than you actually are yeah like apparently i'm really intimidating to people i meet yeah which is kind of silly i am too apparently and i don't get well, it but well for me it's just i'm six and a half feet tall yeah. um which is just over two meters and 240 pounds i guess if you know nothing blank canvas that guy's really big. Yeah, he's really big. The scare, and you also have a heavy forehead. Yeah, yes, and you very that, sunken eyes. You have that heavy Cro-Magnon face. <laughs> not, not in the jaw, only in the upper. No, face. only in the upper face. And that's you know that that's a sign of intimidating. I I, I don't know what it is for me because I'm short and stocky. <laughs> it's that swarthy Italian build. It's that swarthy Italian build. I think I think it's mostly my energy. I think it freaks people out. Um. But anyways, you are very high energy. We yeah. digress. We digress. But going back to games, um, and and Star Wars because that's where we that's that's sort of how we popped off. Um, I find that that the stories about the middle are, are more are more fascinating, and, and and there there is an issue stories with, with about Calcutarn. Calc that that's Kyle actually pretty. Calcutarn is Kyle... the best. J- J- Dark Forces slash Jedi Knight slash Jedi Outcast best Star Wars story in video Kyle games. Katarn is the best character in Star Wars. And the reason is, he goes from being a stormtrooper to being... A, a rebel mercenary. A rebel mercenary to being a Jedi a, to not being a Jedi to being the Blade Master of the new Jedi Academy. <laughs> yeah. Like... He goes, he, he's, and you'll notice, started in the Imperium, ended up a rebel, went, ended up a rebel, was in the middle for a lot of that time, and then he's the Blade Master. He takes, he's basically, he's taking up Mace Windu's post, where he is, he's the Sword Master, and he teaches, he teaches the, the, the new students about lightsaber combat. Lightsaber combat. And goes out and kicks butt when needed. He's a, he's a, he's an action-oriented, aggressive character. Aggressive Jedi. <laughs> Not what we got in the prequels, which was, oh, I'm sure everything will sort itself out if we if we smile and be happy. To be fair, <laughs> uh, Luke in the Academy series was a lot more cautious than he used to be. 
Yeah, but that's because he had already fallen to the dark side by that point. He had already experienced it. Yeah. The Academy series is after he became a Darth. Yeah. Which I found out, uh, Darth is just something you, you declare. There's no, like, Council of Darths that give you a Darth title. You just say, I am a Darth now. And if, if people respect you enough, they call you by it. And either they call you by it, or they don't, and you kill them, or they don't, and they kill you. That's those are the those are the results of, of declaring yourself a Darth. That seems to fit, which I think is awesome. It's like anybody can be a Darth. It's just a matter of whether they respect you enough to do it. No, anybody can be a Darth. Not anybody can be a Darth for long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but w- one of the interesting moments that was in 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 Kotor was there was a time when you were asked a question. You know, <laughs> do you defend this planet from it from an attack, or do you? destroy your enemy um and it's like it, it looks like a light side dark side and it's like interesting okay and i'm like okay well i destroyed the planet like interesting you're like and it'd be like okay that that would make sense for personality and you're like no i did it because that ends the war because i had to make a sacrifice to make to get a better resolution <laughs> yeah you actually get to explain your motive and yeah. why. And that's one of the few points in that game where, and and honestly, because because you're if you're being tested by a robot who's making sure, oh yes, you're a dark side, not a light side person, you confuse the robot because like, what? Yeah. Wait, I, I didn't calculate for option C. <laughs> yeah. I didn't calculate really... for you making that the good choice. That is really good. I think that's part of why people love Revan as a character. Because um, Revan walks all the way across the spectrum. Because, well, because Revan breaks the rules yeah. Revan's like I I you can you can walk amongst the light and the dark that's why I love everything exists philosophy. yeah every, everything exists in shade that's why I love the <laughs> Revanite philosophy because it's the idea of everything I do is for those around me yeah it is for the betterment of myself and those around me it's like it doesn't matter if it's aggressive it doesn't matter if it's restrained it's for a better resolution yeah and 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 the, that the Revanites are really popular for that reason. Revan's really popular for that reason. Um, um, and it's one of the reasons I didn't like the Kotor sequel because it kept trying trying to get you to apologize for everything for that following Revan, did. Revan. And it's like, but what if? But you didn't have to. You didn't have to. You, you could be completely unapologetic. I am a Revanite at the core. Yeah, you could be completely unapologetic. I did what I did for the betterment of the galaxy, and for a while it worked. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and it it just. But it very much steers you towards apologize, 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 apologize. You made the wrong choice. You made the wrong choice. You're a no, bad person. But you can, no, it's everyone else around you is light side telling you you made the wrong choice. Yeah. It's not you. It, like You have every but, option to say, nope, the, this the, is my the, job. The game itself just ham-fistedly tries to show you how much you messed up the universe. But you didn't really. You only messed up one. You messed up Malachor Five. You messed up Malachor Five. That's it. Which, to be honest, was being bombed by Mandalorians. I promise it wasn't going to last long anyway. Yeah, I mean, it was like even Baodur doesn't regret the mass shadowed field generator. Yeah, no, Baodur does not does not regret it. No, he 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 flat out says, "I would do it again if I had to." I would do it again if I had to. Yeah, but the, the the game comes off to me as I feel like what that was doing was sort of trying to put you in the in the position of you have to make a tough decision like do you do you give in to the peer pressure or do you well no, stay no, no to it's, your it's, it's 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 a soldier yeah 
you're a soldier. And these are people who are, well, how could you, how could you murder those people? I'm a soldier. I'm a it's soldier. what I do. And it's... I do what I do so that others don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you can sit back and judge me all you like. You didn't have to pull the trigger. Yeah, you were not there. And I, and, and I think that's very much the, how, how do you react to that sort of almost innocent view of the world it's yeah. almost, like the like the others are almost like they are almost naive the way they view you yeah they yeah. are naive well they are they are naive <laughs> that's uh, na- definitely naive almost innocent definitely naive um that's sort of you you can't just just like you can't you know like people people do it all the time they you know get get upset at, at soldiers for being soldiers and it's like you, you some cases that's a justified stance to take some cases that's not it depends on the person and what the situation was. Yeah, and that's sort of I think that's that's the story being told. Like in 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 in, in Kotor one, the story being told was uh, Revan striking that balance between light and dark, and then and then the Jedi trying to brainwash him into being a mindless soldier. Yeah, um, and then in Kotor two, it was defending that choice. So I think it wasn't well, it definitely wasn't as strong as the first one, but I can see where they were trying. I see, I see what I, they were trying I, to do. I get what they were trying. Yeah, it's just at times it felt so ham fisted. Ham fisted. Look at what you've done to the world. Well, that's the, that's the thing. Like another another thing that I saw in Kotor two was your actions have consequences. Yes, you may have made the right decision, but you still have to live with the yes. consequences. Yeah. of Yeah, I, I don't disagree. That was another. That was another aspect of it, which you know, I, I enjoyed. Like the uh, mat, like you made the right decision activating the mass shadow, the mass shadow generator on Malachor Five. You still destroyed a planet. Yeah, and a lot of people. <laughs> you destroyed a lot of things. And, and one of my favorites is the, the Mandalorians are the are the ones who forgive you. Yeah, you won. Why why would we still hate you? You won. Yeah, you you did what you had to do. You did. You made the correct call. <clears throat> you made the call a warrior was made. Um, so yeah, I think that was that was a good conversation there. Um, so we got a little bit off topic. A little bit off topic, but I, you know, it, I think we kept I think we kept to our original intention pretty well. We we kept to we we did. We kept to our original intention which was important moments in gaming. And these every, everything we talked about was an important moment and it sort of tied together our our, our sort of what we look for in Stories and such, and we didn't mention our crutch games exactly. And so this was a this was a this was an attempt in in sort of uh, giving us a topic, not not necessarily giving us a topic, but in sort of in sort of tying everything more down and specific. So let us know what you think. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please uh, feel free to comment below uh, or email us at john.a.bates@hotmail.com or talk to us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at since talk, at sorry at John A Bates J O H N A B A T E S, um, and you can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash sinstaku. Uh, Shadow course. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Shadow Course. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Shadow underscore Course, and you can email me at wbase95 at gmail uh, other than that, anywhere you look, you probably find me a Shadow Chorus. That's pretty much my universal name. And units? I'm on Twitter at UKNITS, units. And I leech off of Sens Taku's Twitch channel. Yep. 
Um, so yeah, uh, and if you have opinions on, on, on the things we talked about, please feel free to share them. In fact, we would like to hear your uh, greatest moments in gaming. So, our most memorable moments in gaming. So please, share those with us. Let us know on Twitter, let us know on email, um, and we'll talk about those. So, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.